0: It's nice to be back up here uh, in uh, in beautiful Ocala. I really do love Ocala. Where's my wife? Maybe we'll move here. I don't know. Probably not. Well, we're going to continue our series on who are the lost. I have a clicker. I, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be way off on this because every time I've been here, the clicker don't work or the, the whatever, so... It's going to be a mess, I think. But we're going to continue on the series, Who Are the Lost? And we're going to hopefully find some clarity from the master. I'm going to start off with a, a little bit of a, a, an introduction. Uh, so when I was a junior in high school, I looked back just to verify this, but um, minimum wage then was not $15 an hour. It was $5.15 per hour when I was in high school. When I first started working, it was 4 25 I believe so you know but I was uh, I was working I had a one of uh, one of my classes was I think it was called DCT it was a work release class that you know that we could we could take it it taught you how to get into the workforce they they helped you find a job inside of the community Uh, and there was an opening for a a job at a payroll leasing company uh, for someone to to run errands for the staff members that were there I interviewed for the job uh, in in and I got the job, and the, the coolest thing is, I'm a junior in high school, and the, and, and the, the, uh, the hourly wage was $8 an hour, when, when minimum wage was five fifteen. Like I, I mean, I was the coolest kid in class. I definitely was the highest paid high schooler in class, and I was really excited about that. And the, uh, the business had a number of, uh, of offices throughout and, and it included uh, a break room. Uh, anybody love break rooms I love break rooms and my job uh, you know was to, to run errands around for anybody that was asked but I had to wait for someone to ask for it you know, I needed instructions so you know if no one was asking me to do anything, well what did I do? I hung out in the Break room. And I have zero idea of what I actually did in the break room. I mean, I can't remember because it was before smartphones. I I had a pager. That's how. Don't laugh. All right. People in my wife's family thought I was a drug dealer because I had a pager. That was weird. All right, But over the first uh, few weeks, like it, was, it was pretty stinking boring because the only, about the only thing that I did was I'd go out and I'd get lunch for the staff members or I, I, would, uh, I would help in the afternoon sort of sort payroll checks and, and get them, uh, you know, uh, send off to various places. I think it was UP, UPS or FedEx. You know, so we'd put those together and, and get those shipped out. So, you know, at the end of the day, I spent a crazy amount of time in the break room, like me and the break room were friends. So there, there, there came a day where someone in the uh, organization like did me a solid. Like they came to me while I was in the break room, you know, and I uh, wasn't being proactive at all. And they came and said, hey, the m- management sees that you're, you're not doing a whole lot. You know, you're spending a crazy amount of time in the break room. So uh, you, you might want to at least look like you're busy, okay? So what did I do? I mean, I did not want to lose this high-paying job at $8 an hour. So I had to change things up a bit to become a little bit more proactive so what did I do I, I began to walk around the office and in order for me to look like I was more busy I would stop off in other people's offices and chit chat with them making them less pro <laughs> proactive right they, they I really brought the pro you know productivity of the office down pretty substantially but It worked for them, it worked for me. I ended up working for the company for eight years. I went from the, no, seriously, everyone called me the do-boy, all right? like that that's where I was. I was the do-boy, but I was getting paid $8 an hour, so I really didn't care, all right? But I went from do-boy to being in management. So I really appreciated that person who did me the solid and said, hey, you might want to start doing something around here. Long story to get to our key point This morning, and that is the proactive use of the time, talent, and treasure that God gives you pleases Him. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 16. We're going to start with the parable uh, found in verses 1 through 9. It says in verse 1 of chapter 16, He also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be the manager. And the manager said to himself, What will I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to, to beg. I, I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill. Sit down quickly. Write fifty. And he said to another, I mean, uh, upon uh, the first read-through, it can, it can be a tad bit confusing, right? It's what we, what we know about Jesus, and, and compared to there, this, this master commended the, the, the manager for, I mean, basically robbing <laughs> the employer. I mean, I, I literally, I know someone who is doing this in another organization, a restaurant, uh, and... Um, this was two weeks ago. They got fired. Like that, they weren't commended for it. They were let go. I mean, that should be the, you know, the response that we would think, right? And I, and here's the thing that I really love about when Jesus starts these kind of things. He tells a story that, that makes you perk up and listen. Because you've got to scratch your head and go, wait, did, did he just say that? So just look in verses 1, and if you jump ahead a little bit to 14. First of all, he's chatting with his disciples, but he knows that there's a little bit of eavesdropping going on by the none other than the Pharisees. All right. So rabbit trail here. Uh, Who does this? Like my wife and I are terrible at this. Like we're sitting at a restaurant and like we really enjoy each other's company. But uh, what's really cool is when you hear some juicy gossip or something at the table behind you. Anybody do this? Like you just, you you eavesdrop? Anybody? Anybody guilty of this? I mean, come on. I like hearing juicy stories in someone else's life. I love drama. I don't know why. So, you know, here's the thing that I, I think might be a good idea. This is what we can do. I'm just going to give you a little bit of an idea. So sitting in a restaurant or, you know, maybe you're standing in line somewhere, um, just say this just loud enough. Hey, um, what if everyone dies in here? See if they, see if they don't perk up, right? And then as you, as you say this, just start talking about how Jesus saves, right? Just go into the gospel presentation with whoever you're going. Is that a good idea? No? All right, well, whatever. Move on. I think it was a great idea. So get this, the the master seems to be more interested in the proactive nature of the manager than how he went about it, right? Verse one, uh, the rich man or master was not pleased with the performance of his manager. He says that he was wasting his possessions. Verse two, the manager is getting canned. Uh, Verses three and four, this is where where it starts to change. Uh, uh, They start with, what shall I do? And, in verse 4, I have decided what to do. I tell you what, if, if that guy would have started off with that same kind of doing attitude, he wouldn't have been in the jam that he was in. Would he? I mean, wouldn't you expect that, right? In verses 5 through 7, the manager starts to be proactive. And Don't get lost in how he went about it. That's not the point. Verse 8, the the master commends the proactivity of the manager which is quite the contrast to what we see in verse one and why is he given an attaboy why does he why does why does the 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 master commend him for doing this the point that Jesus is trying to make to his disciples is to to not sit by idle waiting for things to just happen it just it, it, it doesn't happen that way it doesn't happen that way does it I was standing outside with, with uh, Ryan, and I said, "You know, one day, this parking lot's going to be full. I've been at this for a while here. It's never been full. It takes a lot of work. People aren't just going to show up. It's going to take work." He points out that the world gets it, right? But when the world gets it, it's for self-gain. He wanted them to understand that time, talent, treasure, That's given is for eternal purposes. But while everyone, including uh, the Pharisees, was trying to process the story, Jesus keeps moving on with what he actually wanted them to hear. And he offered three different uh, lessons. The first one is God is willing to invest, if I am, in verses 10 through 12. So we can drop our eyes down to chapter 16, uh, verses 10 through 12. It says, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? And this really builds on that parable that Jesus just told. If we can get busy and, and be proactive using the stuff that our master gives us and be and be faithful with it, right? He, he's ready and he is willing to give us the ability to steward something that is much more important than temporal stuff. He'll give us access to the most treasured stuff assets that 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 god has and it's people people matter to god people who we can actually make an eternal investment into listen to what paul says in the opening of his letter uh, to the church of ephesus uh, and josh read a portion of it a little bit earlier it says in in uh, chapter one of ephesians paul an apostle of christ jesus by the will of god to the saints in ephesus the faithful in Christ Jesus grace and peace to you from God our father and the lord jesus christ blessed be the god and of uh, blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us in christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms for he chose in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his presence in love He predestined us for adoption as his sons through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the beloved one. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of all our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, and he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to bring all things in heaven and on earth together in Christ. In him we were all cho- uh, we were also chosen as God's own, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything by the counsel of His will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ would be for the praise of his glory and in him having heard and believed the word of truth the gospel of your salvation you were sealed with the promised holy spirit who is the pledge of our inheritance until the redemption of those who are god's possession to the praise of his glory god is willing to invest if i am god is willing to invest If you are, and I have to be honest with you, what what God has to offer is so much more than I or you or anybody else could ever imagine. Just think what would happen if we went all in with God. And all in is like all over the place, right? Maybe all in for you is simply surrendering your life to him, whether you're here, whether you're online. Like it might mean just surrendering your life to Him. You've tried everything you could possibly think of, but it's just not enough. Can you see yourself relinquishing control of your life to a Savior who has already gone all in for you? It says in Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death. On a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It also says in Romans 10. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We know these verses. For with your heart you believe and are justified and with your mouth you confess and are saved. When you do that little thing at the restaurant, you know, like, what if everyone dies? Like, just share those verses right there and it will knock it out of the park. His word will not come back void. And this can be your all in today. But maybe, maybe you've given your life to Jesus. But you're holding back some of that that time, talent, and treasure that he has given you. So all in for you is relinquishing control of all your stuff. Can I cue cue you in on something? It's not yours in the first place. Everything you have is merely yours to steward. Nothing belongs to you. Your house is his. Your car, your big old van, it's his. Your spouse is his. Your kids are his. Your retirement is his. Your health, the, the very breath that we are breathing right now belongs to him. It doesn't even belong to you. He can do magnificent and mighty things through you. And the question is, will you let him, right? God is willing to invest if I am. In verse 13 is the is the next little lesson that he tells. Uh, and it says in verse 13 of chapter 16, and Luke, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one, and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Is that a familiar verse? I mean, that's a pretty familiar verse. You, you, you can't have it both. I think King James says mammon. Mammon, right? Is that what it is? Nobody? Nobody? Yeah. All right. So I love this devotional from Tony Evans. It says this, the dominant sin spoken of in the Bible is idolatry. All through scripture, you see God's hatred of idolatry. Idolatry is an unauthorized noun, person, place, thing, or thought that you look to as your source. Because that means you're committed to a false god. There's one, only one true God, he says. The God of the Holy Scriptures who's revealed himself both in creation and in his word. And he does not want any competing loyalties in our lives. He wants us totally committed to the one true God. The moment you bring another God, another noun, person, place, thing, or thought that you look to as your ultimate source, you created divine competition You've created a deity competitor and nothing will drive, drive God from you in terms of you experiencing his presence in your life like you inviting another God into the vicinity. Whether that God is money or whether that God is even religion, whether that God is education, whether that God is career, well, you can name it. But once that thing or person becomes your source, God is angry with that. And will display the weakness of your God. Because he'll interrupt your God to let you know that that God wasn't as big, powerful, authoritative as you thought. When when you put your whole life into that God's hands. So there must be a decision that we must all make. Even as Christians. That there will be no other God before us. You know that goes back to the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. In fact, God wants us to be so alone as God, he won't even let you take a picture of himself creating an image because he does not want us to dumb down how awesome a God he is. Stay committed to the one true God because there's only one true God who deserves that commitment. I was blessed by that when I read that from Tony Tony Evans. And knowing that, that God can't be competed with should, should hinder us from even trying, right? But inevitably, I, I need to be reminded by God's word to, to check myself before I wreck myself. The third point that Jesus makes after that parable in verses 14 through 18 is that God knows when we value comfort over truth. Pick up our reading in verse 14. It says the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John, since then the good news of the kingdom is preached and everyone forces his way into it. But it is easier for Heaven and Earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. Everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery, and he who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. What? Like did that seem to take a, like a sharp right turn there? Like He went from Pharisees and, and lovers of money, uh, God knows your hearts, law and prophets, and then uh, divorce <laughs> But it was the news of the day. John the Baptist had been arrested for preaching truth that conflicted with the fact that Herod Antipas took his brother's wife. It was a well-known, juicy gossip that actually ended up getting John's head taken off. And for standing up for truth. The point Jesus was making to the Pharisees was that because of their love of money... They compromised comfort for truth. They knew the law. They they knew that what was happening with Herod Antipas was wrong. They knew that it would cause problems in their country, but they stood idle, unwilling to say a word. Compromise. If we pondered just for, well, if we just pondered on it, on how many times we've compromised comfort over truth, I have a feeling we'd be here for a long time. Anybody like? I like comfort. I'm selfish by nature. I love comfort. Amen. Jesus says, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart's. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. This, again, is one of those areas where we need to align ourselves with God's word and act and check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. And listen, when God calls you out, do yourself a favor. Just listen. Figure out what he's trying to do in your life. Admit Admit you were wrong. Is that not one of the hardest things that we do? Is admit that we're wrong? I'm never wrong. I admit that we're wrong. Move on. Learn, to, learn the, to, to, to value truth over comfort. The truth is he always has your best in mind. And we don't sometimes see that. All that to say, don't be like that guy in verses 1 and 2. Be be more like the manager found in verses 3 and 4 when he starts being proactive and, and using his time, talent, and treasure that God gives us, right? Why? Simply put, it pleases Jesus, the one who actually gave it all, and we can do the same exact thing. I love I love this passage because it's one of those things that I, I, need, I need a hard lesson to actually be proactive. Anybody go through, like at the end of your day, you start scrolling through in your mind all the times you could have been a little bit more proactive? How much time you spent watching TV? How much time you spent scrolling through your phone of nonsense? What if you replace that with time spent in his word? Time spent, you know, in that booth, in, in the booth, in the restaurant, saying, um, "What if everyone dies and share the gospel?" What would happen if you traded that time and be a little bit more proactive for Jesus? Will you pray with me, Lord? Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for this parable of this guy who needed a, a kick in the pants. Lord, help us to be more proactive help us to see those areas in our lives where we we need to trade our selfish nature and live more for you help us to see that you have our best interest in mind and you can do awesome things in us and through us if we let you especially now with the world seemingly in chaos Lord, help us to be the ones who stand firm. Help us to be the ones who have a smile on our face to be able to tell a story of a good God, a gracious God, a loving God, the God who gave it all, sent his son, Jesus. I should have been the one who died for my sin. But you. Lord, help us to tell that story over and over again. We love you. And we give you all the praise, honor, and glory this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.